Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. Drew and I are recording this week's show on Saturday, January 21st, 2023, and 90 years ago today, Drew, the Mickey Mouse short The Mad Doctor was released. And now you know this one, right? Of course, of course. This is one, I feel like, one of the more iconic uh, Mickey Mouse shorts. You're not wrong. I mean, for example, it's it's directed by David Hand, who went on to become the supervising uh, director for, for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it's got some amazing animation and it's some, some wonderful design. But at the same time, it's one of the only Mickey Mouse shorts that ever fell into the public domain. And, and you know the story here, right? No, please tell us. This came out in 33, and this was Disney spoofing Universal's run of hugely popular horror films. I mean, for example, Dracula came out in February 14th, 1931. And by the way, the 14th, come on, honey, it's Valentine's Day. Let's go to the theater and see a bloodsucker. Then Frankenstein gets released to theaters in November of that same year, and it's just how different Hollywood was back then. I mean, Dracula gets released to theaters late winter of 31. That Todd Browning film is a big enough hit that Carl Lemley, you know, then, then head of Universal says, get me another one of those. Frankenstein doesn't go before the camera till late August of 31. They finish production October 3rd of that same year, and it's out in theater in seven weeks. That's a television schedule, right? That's amazing. Frankenstein makes even more money than Dracula. Lamely says, well, get me another one of those. And so uh, Mummy arrives in theaters December of, of the following year, 32. And just a month or so after that, we get the Mad Doctor. But here's the thing. Disney seems to have done too good a job of aping Universal's horror movies. The Mad Doctor, there were theaters around the country who just flat out refused to show it because they believe this Disney short is just too scary for kids. And, and as a direct result, for many years, the Mad Doctor was banned entirely in the United Kingdom and, and in Nazi Germany. Because the Mickey Mouse short can't get the sort of wide release that the, typically the other shorts do, it gets thrown into the back of the vault and eventually the company loses track of it, which is why the Mad Doctor becomes that rarer-than-rare item, a Disney-produced short that somehow slips into the public domain. But... On the other hand, you know War Inspector, right? The guy who did uh, Epic Mickey and the sequel, what, The Power of Two? Of course, of course. Warren is a true Disney history buff. And so when he was looking for a villain for his action-adventure platform game, he reached all the way back to 33 and made the Mad Doctor the central character of, of Epic Mickey. And the animation on this thing is spectacular. But again, if you want to see it, you, you, I think you have to go to YouTube. Did it ever show up in any of the, the actual collections the studio put out? Or? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on Disney Plus right now as you talk, Jim, just okay. to see. Okay. We have lots more animation news to come, folks. But as always, the news portion of today's fine-tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so folks, if you've listened to previous fine-tunings, you know we're in the middle of award season. 
Tuesday, January 24th, is when the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences will officially be announcing which films have been nominated for Oscars this year. Is it the Critics' Circle? Is that what you're officially a member of now? What's The, the Org- Critics' Choice Association is what it's called, I believe. It used to be Broadcast Film Critics, and now mm-hmm. it's Critics' Choice. Got yeah. it. Okay. So Drew has been keeping tabs on this for a month because award season out in L.A. these days begins November, right? Sometimes earlier? Yeah, it's like right after Thanksgiving. That's mm-hmm. when the screeners start coming in and, you know. Okay, so you've been talking pretty consistently about what you think the lineup will be. I actually went back through our old show notes to see the films you've been talking about. You, you were talking about Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Turning Red, and then... If the category goes out to five, I think you, you've also talked about the Sea Beast. You talk about Wendell and Wild, and the Annies just got announced earlier this week. I, I'm, so I want to go. How do I go, Jim? That's my question. Isn't that at the Alex Theater? Do you? I I can reach out on your behalf if you want. Yeah, let me know. I, I want to work the room. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Happy to do it. But it's like the Annies are listening to Drew because when they settled on what the best animated features for this year would be, the the Annies nominee committee selected uh, once again Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Uh, we have Chris Williams' The Sea Beast. We had Wendell and Wild, and then uh, we had Turning Red and DreamWorks Animation Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. I mean, if you look at those first three, that just says this was a a big, big year for Netflix. There has been historical controversy around DreamWorks and the Annie's, though. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, that's keying off of the number of folks at DreamWorks who belong to the union, right? Well, yeah, it was the fact that I think Katzenberg was the one, right, who said that every single Mm -hmm. employee at DreamWorks would be a member of this union right or academy or whatever yep. so that historically things were tipped more in the scales of dreamworks now i don't know if that's true anymore this is just a funny anecdote from mm-hmm. many years ago and i think puss in boots is more than deserving of all the nominations but anyway i, I just thought this was a funny thing to oh no 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 no, no you're not wrong guillermo de toro's pinocchio still looks like the film to beat but i'm fascinated that you're bringing up puss in boots because I think they've been running a really smart campaign in regard to how they've been keeping Puss in Boots sort of front of mind. Have you seen some of the stuff they've been doing on on social media where, for example, they take the two big battles from Last Wish between Puss and the wolf character and without giving away the what's really going on with the wolf character, the wonderful bookends, the story structure that they did there? It seems like they're they're letting the animators kind of show off their work on social media, too, in mm-hmm. a way that I haven't really seen before in a DreamWorks production. I don't know if you've seen all the stuff about the anxiety attack. Yes, I was. A, no, that was the very okay. next thing I was going to bring up. And I thought to sort of lay down the, the rough piece of animation to show the finished work and also to show what a great job they did there of actually replicating a panic attack in animation. I mean, I, I think they've made some really, really smart choices. I don't know if it's going to be enough to necessarily slip ahead of Pinocchio in in the final leg, but 
a lot of people are getting a much bigger appreciation for the work in the artistry in in the last whoosh because of, of the very thing you're talking about let letting the animators sort of let's talk about this scene or let's let's take a look at how these two scenes line have up. you watched it yet jim i have i have let's hear your thoughts we have talked previously about how clearly this project was influenced by what was done with uh spider-man into the spider-verse but it really is kind of its own animal. DreamWorks has done a, a lot of work in the Shrek world with fairy tale characters and reimagining them and, you know, that sort of thing. But what they've managed to do with Puss in Boots is a higher level between the stylization and they do lean into a darker storyline that I think turns into a much, much richer film. I mean, no disrespect to uh, Pinocchio, which also, let's be honest, uh, goes to some pretty dark places as well. I guess that's what's also kind of interesting about this year is the two films that are looking to line up to be the ones, you know, to consider for the best animated feature go in some surprisingly adult directions, especially given you know the way Guillermo has been out there talking about how animation isn't a genre it's a way you tell stories with film and i really pulling for one of these two to take home the award though that said we haven't really talked about stranger world yet have we well did you did you watch it i did i love the look of it i love the intent it's one of those movies where you're watching it and you're literally okay that character for example the mom who's the, the amazing flyer and that character is going to be somebody's favorite that that character is going to change somebody's life likewise the uh hispanic member of the the party the explorers of the early in the film who then becomes the president of the country there's a lot of really you know it's like that's going to be important to somebody but it was a little on the nose sometimes it's like i am an important character I am significant. Pay attention to me. And it just, I think it was a little too earnest, a little too well-meaning. And weren't you pointing out that you bought 20th Century Fox, you have their film library. If you wanted to remake Fantastic Voyage, remake Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, I think that it being kind of a twist does it a little bit of a disservice because I feel like that the end is pretty confusing <sighs> just in terms of like, What's going on and mm -hmm. what they're doing? Are they helping the animal? Are they, you know, it, I don't know. It was just a little, it was a little confusing. You were the one who pointed out how long this Don Hall film has been in development. The proof you were pointing out is the art of Disney's Strange World, the book. And how many pieces of art that are in that book that show, you know, the early looks and what they were trying were done by people who haven't worked at Disney for what? five years six years yeah yeah it's a little it's a little eye-opening okay one day we'll get the full story but okay yeah i enjoyed it and in fact there's a part of me that you know we were sitting at home uh, you know watching it on our, our brand new flat screen and I, it looked lovely but it, there was also a part of me that that felt like oh geez i wish i'd seen this in a theater with these amazing vistas and that sort of thing on a bigger screen maybe the story would have had more impact. But I think it's kind of telling to circle back to the Annies that 
Strange World didn't make the cut for, you know, in fact, somebody was pointing out that uh, Strange World and Pixar's Lightyear only picked up two nominations each with this year's Annie out of 37 categories. And that particularly, I think, stings for Lightyear, which I really, really enjoyed as a film. But anyway, uh, to circle back to DreamWorks, DreamWorks is having a huge year. If we pivot to the parks for a sec, the Kids Zone at Universal Florida just closed down this past weekend to be redone DreamWorks Land. That's one of the least <laughs> well-kept secrets uh, in, in themed entertainment these days. Likewise, the park that Universal Creative just announced for Frisco, Texas, the one that's supposed to have be for families with small children. If you look at the concept art for that, the logo is so clearly the DreamWorks logo that's kind of been futzed with just to give them some possible deniability. I mean, DreamWorks is going to get its own park. And Illuminations has not been forgotten. I don't know if you're paying attention to, to the VillainCon Minion Blast ride that's being built at Universal Florida the, uh, as a replacement for Shrek 4D. Kind of intriguing mix of elements on, on this ride-through shooter that it, the setting is from the Minions movie from 2015, uh, Villain Con, which was in the movie held in Orlando, Florida. However, the poster that was just hung on the outside of the building uh, just a day or so ago suggests that the villains for this attraction are going to be the Vicious Six, which are from last year's Minions The Rise of Gru. But anyway, Villain Con Minions Blast is supposed to open summer of 2023. The new DreamWorks area in the old kid zone, I'm hearing, is 2024. Also worth noting that Comedy Central has just revealed that Wednesday, February 8th, will be the launch date for the season 26 of South Park. And Casa Bonita, which a lot of us mostly know from a very famous episode of South Park, but the actual physical Caso Bonita uh, shut down in 2011. Trey Parker and Matt Stone stepped in and decided, given that it had become so much of South Park's lore, they couldn't let it go away. So they're spending entirely too much time and entirely too much money, you know, bringing this thing back. And we now have a May 2023. In fact, didn't they just post like a video online where... You know, they revealed the opening date with the, with the workmen surrounding them. Yep. I would do the same thing for Don Cucos. I'm just going to say that right now. Should Don Cucos ever become in Jeopardy, I will, I will save it. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. By the way, the, yes. the, the physical location of Casa Bonita is in the Lamar Station Plaza. Uh, and that's Colfax Avenue in Lakewood, Colorado. And I do really want to see Casa Bonita at some point. Okay, wrapping up the news portion here, folks. We were just talking about Netflix. They have just announced a new animated feature. This one coming from Adam Sandler. Leo, did, have you seen anything about that, Drew? I, I just saw what everybody else saw in the little sort of sizzle for Netflix's 2023 lineup, mm -hmm. which looks incredibly mm -hmm. anemic. But Leo does look <laughs> cute. I will say that. All right. Well, what I noticed is... Yeah. This new animated feature from Happy Madison, it's going to debut on that streaming service on November 22nd, 2023, the exact same day that Disney's Wish arrives in theaters about a 74-year-old lizard named Leo 
who's been living in the same Florida classroom for decades, who finds out that according to a longevity chart, he only has one more year to live. And so he's now determined to escape his terrarium. I was kind of intrigued by who's working on this with Sandler. I mean, for example, uh, Robert Schmeagel, uh, who is the co-writer of Hotel Transylvania and Hotel Transylvania 2, and David Wackenheim and Robert Marinetti, who were the heads of story on Hotel Transylvania. But no Gennady, right? No. Well, they they famously, Robert Smigel and, mm. and Gendy famously did not get along mm-hmm. super well. Okay. Which is why none of these people were on the third movie, which I think is the most Gendy-ish movie of the three. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's a reason okay. for that. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top animation-wise November of this year, whether it's Adam Sandler's uh, 74-year-old lizard or the fainting goat in Disney's Wish that's being voiced by Alan Tudyk. Maybe some lo-fi music will help calm that character down. And, And speaking of which, on the second half of today's show... We're going to take a look at Disney stepping into the chill music space. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were just talking about Netflix, and they do have two additional animated features coming up on that subscription streaming service. We have The Magician's Elephant that becomes available to subscribers on March 17th. And then we have We Lost Our Human, which debuts on March 21st. Now, that that one's interesting because that was also one of those ones like My Dad, the Bounty Hunter, where it was like, is this a movie? Is it a show? What is it? Because this was a project that was greenlit back with like Kid Cosmic and City of Ghosts, that kind of initial wave of Netflix original animation. Mm -hmm. So it's been around a long time, and I guess the final form of it is a movie, maybe? I don't know, but that'll be one to watch, and I'm sure we'll talk about it closer to release. Okay, okay. It would have been nice to see that one get the love and attention that City of Ghosts did. Well, depending on who you talk to. If you talk to the creator, it didn't get any love (laughs) whatsoever. So depending on on which perspective we see these things on, Jim, I guess. If you're too close to it, it could get a little little dicier. But, yeah. Okay. Now, also worth noting here that we don't have release dates for three of Netflix high-profile projects. We have the the Chicken Run sequel, Dawn of the Nugget. 
We also have Monkey King and uh, Nimona, which Drew and I just talked about a, a show or two ago. In fact, I have been reaching out, trying to get folks from Blue Sky, the very folks you were talking about, who continue to work at home. But again, they did all of this amazing animation on Nimona from home. What are you hearing from the reaction about the Disney memo that, that Iger put out about folks needing to return to the mothership, so to speak, you know, four days a week starting in, I want to say, April? Yeah, I don't think anybody's really happy about it. I think it's it's a, it's a somebody coming into an office and seeing a bunch of empty desks and wondering why they're paying so much for rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, what's really sad is that a lot of people who relocated during the pandemic are just leaving the company. And part of me wonders if this is not a pre-layoff layoff where it's like, let's see how many people we can just get to quit on their own accord before we go in and start cutting teams down. That is my feeling about it. That is a wonderful insight and kind of a horrible thing to hear. But yes, when you you look at just the layoffs that continue in the tech sector, I mean, it just it seems to be folks still believing that, okay, there is a recession are headed our way. In fact, I was reading something just yesterday about the way the trends are going. It looks like whatever happens in, you know, is going to be the second half of 2023. And so a lot of companies are still trying to position for that. And that's sad to think. But, um, but again, it makes perfect sense. You know, that it's a layoff that doesn't leave any fingerprints. You decided not to come back to work. I didn't tell you not to come back to work. Well, okay, this makes me feel bad, so maybe I, I should put on some lo-fi chill-out music. What do you what you know about this, Drew? I don't. I don't know anything about This is the first I'm hearing about it, Jim, and, and so <laughs> I'm very interested to hear how this came about. Same thing here. I literally got a press release from Disney earlier this week, and it included a link to a brand-new album called lo-fi mini chill and the gimmick of it was it was 16 songs from the disney catalog but done in the style of chill or chill out music which is they take songs that you know go with a slow temple relaxed mood i'm old enough to remember this is easy listening like mantovani but for today's generation it's typically done without vocals but it's also got a steady beat, but it, it's done in such a style that they deliberately build in imperfections so it, it's not so smooth. The idea is you put on this music, it's in the background, and it allows you, because of its consistent beat and because of, of its style, to focus. In fact, the very first of these albums that Disney did, uh, Lo-Fi Mini Focus, came out in January of last year and evidently did well enough that we, we've we got the sequel album, uh, Lo-Fi Chill, which is coming out tail end of this month. It's not a very surprising group of songs. I mean, it's Disney running through its hit catalog, so you have things like Circle of Life from Lion King, Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, but at the same time, they want to stay on top of the new Disney catalog. So you have We Don't Talk About Bruno from Encanto, How Far I'll Go from Moana. But is it really good music if you suddenly look up and like, okay, three songs have gone by and I can't really name any of them that went by? 
That just shows you how well it's working, Jim. You are focused. You are in the mood. You are getting your homework done. Yes. Well, that's the other thing. There are these these interesting pieces of animation that Disney has created to go alongside of it. And it's Minnie sitting at her kitchen table with a cup of coffee working on her laptop. And I, I want to say for the earlier album for Focus, uh, it was Minnie in her office working with a stylus also on her computer. I guess Drew basically hit it on the nail there. That if, you know, I looked up, you know, was, was doing research for today's show and looked up and three or four songs had gone by and it's like, well, I'll be damned if I could tell you what the songs were, but I, I did get some work done. So, all right, well, there you go. Maybe it is very effective. But anyway, okay, so if you, you, if you want to try these folks, there's a fairly strong representation of them over at YouTube. So it's Lo-Fi Mini Focus and Lo-Fi Mini Chill. And it is on Spotify right now, Jim. See that right there? There we go. Okay. There it is. Given how agitated some Disney fans are right now, maybe they could definitely use a little lo-fi mini chill. There's a certain amount of agitation that's deserved here. And, and well, what I'm talking about, folks, is the Disney 100 banners that just went up at Disneyland Park. I guess these are on the tramway leading to the park. Series of banners sort of touching on significant dates and significant events in Disney company history over the past hundred years. And the problem is that whoever was in charge of this project got a number of the dates wrong. And when you say, you know, an significant event in the company is the, the Matterhorn, which opened at the park in 55, it's like, well, no, that actually opened in 49. Or for that matter, if you're talking about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and how, yes, significant event in the company, and that opened in theaters in 39, it's like, well, no, it, it, it actually, you know, it premiered in 37, and then it went wide in February of 38. I think there was another one about the cruise line oh. that said it was 95 when it was 98. That was another mistake. <laughs> Disney actually has... An archive. And there's 11, 12, 15 people who work under Becky Klein there who man the phones. And it would have been so easy to just, these are the events and the dates that we're planning on doing the banners on. Can somebody in the, the archive staff confirm these for us? Because that used to happen. In fact, I began going into the Disney archive in the mid 80s. And this was when it was in the Royal Disney building on the lot. And if you were looking for something for reference, you had to go, like you were in a library. They had a three card catalog with little index cards and you'd flip through and, and go, all right, can you pull me the Mineral King file? And somebody would go into the background and pull the Mineral King file. And But while I was in there working at the, the main table, I mean, you could literally, Dave Smith's office, the head archivist of the company, it was there, the door was open, and you could hear what Dave was up to all day. And, you know, I, I remember very clearly at one point, Dave got a phone call from somebody at the studio, and I said, uh-huh, hang on. He walked out of his office. He went to this giant wall of books in front of me. He pulled down a golden book, I want to say, that was published in the late 40s, early 50s, and 
flipped it open and looked and then picked up the phone again and said, okay, the proper spelling of J. Thaddeus Toad's name is, well, it has two, day, two Ds in it. And the person at the other end of the phone thanked Dave and it's like, no, nope, glad to help and hung up the phone and slid it back in. I mean, that's their job, folks, you know, the, to double check things. So somebody wanted to make sure that they were, if they were spelling J. Thaddeus's name in something, uh, that Disney was doing back in the 80s, they, they got it right. And the fact that, you know, here are all these banners for a, you know, a celebration of Disney's 100th year in show business, and they get something so easy to check wrong is a little maddening. On the other hand, though, Drew, have you been following what's going on at Warner Brothers Discovery with their 100-year celebration, which kind of in a, in a nice way lined up with the Lunar New Year of the Year of the Rabbit. So is it bugs all over? No, I just saw the logo with... I just saw the logo with, with bugs kind of lying down in the in the zeros, which I liked a lot. But I, what, what are they planning? They caught a break. Yeah, they already decided to do the logo with bugs for the hundredth. The and then somebody's like, you understand it's the year of the rabbit. It's like, oh no, we did not, but oh, cool. It's also worth noting that if you go over to the universal parks, they too are doing their a lunar new year celebration, but they've got from uh, Minions Rise of Gru, there's that, that moment in the film where characters become part of the Chinese Zodiac and is at least one minion who becomes a rabbit. And so now he's all over t-shirts and sweaters that they're selling at their park. Whereas if we go to Disney, they have decided for their uh, Lunar New Year celebration at Disney's California Adventure. Uh, well, they've not only got, what's his name? Oswald, the lucky rabbit uh, for the year of the rabbit. But I guess last year was the year of the tiger. And so in honor of that, for the first time ever, Hortensia, she's made appearances at Tokyo Disneyland, but she's never made it stateside. So she's now part of the Lunar Celebration at California Adventure. In fact, Alice's mom, Michelle, is going down to California Adventure next week because her husband Noah has, is one of the great Oswald collectors on the planet. I mean, at some point, Drew, we're going to have to get the two of you together because Noah's got stuff that goes back all the way to the 20s and the 30s. But he's always looking for new pieces oh, wow. for his collection. And evidently, they're doing, for the Lunar New Year, a, a button that features uh, Oswald and Hortensia. And Michelle is, is is being a good spouse and heading down to the, uh, the park next week and collecting one for Noah. So be interesting to see what that looks like. Who knows? During her drive, uh, can, you know, perhaps Michelle will be looking for something to listen to in the car that's entertaining. And if that is the case, I'm hoping she listens to Light the Fuse, uh, you know, the, the, which is Drew and Charles Hood wonderful podcast about the Mission Impossible films. So what's going on this week with that? Well, this week we are hopefully, uh, should all the stars align and everything work out, do a Oscar nominations special episode mm -hmm. if Maverick does come through with those Oscar nominations we're going to have Perry Nimeroff who's mm -hmm. an old friend from Collider mm -hmm. and just one of the best talk to us about the nominations mm -hmm. and what she thinks and then um, yeah we've got some fun we've got some fun episodes coming up you know it's always <laughs> it's always a gamble Jim who who's going to return the call this week yeah, but, um, I, I, yeah. 
Oh, speaking of which, we do have to talk. I've been chatting with the folks uh, who are doing that Disney animation immersive experience that's coming to Boston next month. The the projection mapping thing or the there we go touring from yeah okay from Lighthouse Entertainment the the, the f- same folks who did the Van Gogh traveling exhibit but I reached out to them and they would love to chat so maybe you know, we'll bring them on the show and sort of talk about how one does that how you know you turn Disney into a projection based experience but oh that would be amazing yeah okay so we'll, we'll get that in the work folks and in addition to light the fuse folks uh we do have a couple of podcasts here we, we'd like you to maybe check out we have of course disney dish which i do with lynn testa uh we also have marvel us disney which i do with aaron adams and uh brian gone and i will uh have to get a new uh looking at lucasfilm out the door in uh, later this week tell you what folks though if you could do drew and i a favor if you could head over to apple podcasts and rate and review well not just the podcast you're listening to right now fine tuning but also light the fuse uh that would be very very helpful also if you really 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 like what you heard here if you want to head over to bandcap and subscribe social media drew so you're still on twitter Still on Twitter, still on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, Twitter and Instagram at Drew Taylor, like a tailored shirt. Okay. Okay. And yeah, there for the time being. Yeah. yeah. Same thing here. Still on Twitter, uh, still on Facebook. Over there as Jim Hill Media News. Uh, on the other hand, Twitter and Instagram are Jim Hill Media. And I guess that's going to do it for this week, folks. So thank you for listening. And Drew and I will be back soon.